0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. I'm your host, Frank LaRosa, and I am joined today by a very special guest, one that I um, unfortunately pushed off a couple of times, my bad, uh, overbooking my schedule. Uh, But today we're joined by the president of Concourse Financial Securities, Libet Anderson. Libet, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Glad we got to work. I know, I know. I I, I apologize. It just uh that expression in your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Sometimes my my mental capacity and what I think I can accomplish in the course of a day is, is bigger than the sixteen hours that I work sometimes. So but anyway, I appreciate it. I wanted to get this done and I'm really excited about this call because we've been working together for a while. Um, but I think that you know, concourse is a firm that I really want to introduce to the industry right that's really what this is all about introducing you all to the industry and and the name you've been around for a long time so I'm going to basically just hand the mic over to you and just give my audience um, some background on on who you are where'd you come from right you're you're in a high level position as a president of the firm uh there aren't that many female professionals running broker dealers, which is great to see. So we'll get into a little bit about uh, uh, you know that, um, and then talk about Concourse and it and its history because it wasn't always Concourse. Right. So, so I'm going to hand you as I say in our household. You have the salt shaker.
1: Ah, I like that. Thank you so much. Uh, so yes, Concourse now Concourse Financial Group Securities or Concourse Financial is actually a firm that's been around since 1985, originally named Pro Equities. And part of that was a call to our parent company, Protective Life Insurance Company, um, was the original derivation of the name. And what we found over time, as we started to look ahead and talk about, you know, who do we want to be? The parent came to us several years ago and said, it's time for a refresh. We have three, actually, um, small brands that are all trying to build their place in the industry. We have this Pro Equities, broker dealer, RIA. We have a an insurance agency that was named First Protective, and then we have a wholesaling organization that calls on financial advisors at Edward Jones only, um, distributing uh, life insurance. And so Protective Life came to this point and said, "Okay, let's let's think about this. It's much easier to build one brand than three, right?" And um, and so as we thought about it, we went through extensive research and talked about. Given who we are today, and I'll talk a little bit about that transformation, but given who we are, how do we want to be depicted in the field? Sometimes the name pro, while we are proud of our parent company and they're very supportive and they, you know, help us with all of our efforts, but sometimes people misunderstood and assumed that we were captive uh, to protective product or that we had quotas and we, you know, all of that, which is not true. We are, you know, open architecture, as they say. So Um, And then we thought about who is it that I know is going to have a great experience here and they are going to love being affiliated with us and they're going to take their practice to where they want to go, right? Concourse is an active name. So it's meant to be for someone who is growing. You're going somewhere. Our tagline is your way forward. So the idea is that as a firm, we've got 450 independent contractors throughout the U.S., And um, the people that are going to grow their practices and do well here are those that look at the resources that we've put down and say, that will help me. You have uh, an annuity specialist or annuity specialist team. You've got a financial planning team. You've got a very deep advisory team. We actually have an institutional fixed income desk, which is rare in our size. They actually take inventory. I don't have equity research. So depending on what you might be looking for as a financial professional out there in the industry, if you might be saying, boy, what else is out there? Maybe I'm at a very large firm and I just don't feel like I get any say in the matter. I just get, you know, things are taken care of. Maybe every piece of business is handled by a different principle. So I never have anybody that really gets to know me and my practice you know, let me think about that. And they've got some things that I think will be good for me and I can grow my practice. So I think they did a great job with the name. No name change is easy. You can't imagine how many places your name actually is within the thousands of documents that you have and the websites and the links and all of that. We still find a few, but a year and a half in, we're pretty happy with where we are and we're spending time now Unfortunately, some of you are tired of me on LinkedIn because I've recently (laughs) tried to get out there mainly as a, you know, hey, we've got this great thing. Um, We have a a story that's been around for a long time. We've spent the last five, six years through a transformational journey, both from our technology as well as um, how we serve the financial professional in the industry. And so we're trying to get that story out there, right? Let people know, hey, we're here. If this is what you're looking for, in all honesty, if it's not, okay, good. Um, We really want to find those people because if they're successful here, we're successful. And then, you know, they tell two friends and they tell two friends, right? So we're always looking for people that we know we can say, look how well you've done. I think our, since 2017, you know, the average growth in GDC has been pretty high, you know, 65% or so. Um, so, it's a, it, we've been able to see it happening and see it working now um, that the name is rebranded, which was kind of the end of the transformation. We've spent the last three years doing a lot of technology changes. So, that was, you know, that's a big lift and it's painful. There is no easy technology change. And when somebody calls and says, it's just not intuitive, I pulled up my phone and say, remember when they took away your home button and you thought, what am I going to do? I I need the little home button to go back to zero. No technology really. And as easy as, and as much as we love our iPhones, you know, actually, if you don't love your iPhone, you love your Android, right? As much as we love our phones. Which is a whole nother problem. That's That's okay.
0: That's a different problem. If you love your Android.
1: Yeah. I have techie kids, so they're Androids. But the uh, the that home button going away, it was like painful. All change, especially technology change is painful because even though it may not be easy, you know it and you can do it blindfolded, right? So we made big changes. We were a paper heavy um, firm. We were actually taking data off of the paper that our advisors would send in to us. And we were typing it in for them, not once, not twice, but if it was an advisory account three times, Okay. So let's assume we got that right the first time and we entered everything perfectly and we nobody transposed anything. Good luck with that. Dude, that doesn't and, ever happen. Yeah, right. And uh, and by the way, they were probably being uh, graded on how many accounts they open. So that's brilliant too. Um so now think about the fact that when you make an address change or a beneficiary change, any change to any account, a risk profile changes imagine that the person who took in that information, which probably could come in through five different points of call here, had to remember all three systems needed that information. Good luck with that, right? So we now moved into a system where there's one place to go, all account information, new account, account maintenance goes into one system. And there is You know, I I act like it's perfect. It's still not perfect, but it's fabulous. And there is a data feed now that um, my kids love the fact that I can use the word API in a sentence, but there are API calls that move through our systems from our books and records to our custodian to the other technology platforms that we integrate with and back around. So massive change. We're now opening about 90% of our accounts in less than three hours. Most of them, 50% are being handled without human intervention. That's cool. That means you entered it correctly. We're not touching it, right? I've still got to get that number higher, but we're getting, you know, that's a big improvement. We're less than 10% NIGO. So some of my offices will now go, wait a second, we're way high. I'm like, well, then we need to talk. That's a different problem. You have (laughs) a
0: different problem. You have a user error problem. (laughs)
1: Exactly. So we did a lot on the technology side just over the last three years. And sort of the coup d'etat was to change the name, which seemed like the easiest thing to do of the other issues. But it was, you know, it's one more thing. And while to our financial advisors, they mostly work under DBAs, all their websites had to change, all their disclosures have to change. So that too. But we did Feel like it was the right thing to do because we needed that refresh, we needed a rebrand. Protective did a wonderful job of, of working on that for us and hiring some great people to come up with it. Again, it still is a change, um, but we're excited to be where we are because I think we have, a, we have something now. We have a great story to tell. We have a big parent company. They're very supportive of us. We talk about their patient capital. They are helping us. We are on their target list. Of of all their entities um, for growth. So now we're in that mode of saying, here we are, right? It's the you know thirty plus year su- overnight success story, right? We're ready to go. We've got a great framework. Uh, we have the right people here. I kind of call us the sweet spot. We're not as big, obviously, as many firms are out there. We're not as small as others too. But I think we're we have the technology there to to hold up and to stack up. But we also have the people here who get to know you. They know your practice. They try hard to make everything work. The principal that you work with is going to be the same person for all your business. So they get to know you and they'll understand how you practice. And they can sometimes point you in the right direction when you're looking for advice or help about how to do something. Uh, so I, I'm excited about getting the story. And thank you for the time today to get this story out there, because I think it is one that that needs to be told.
0: Yeah, we, you know, look, we worked together when it was pro equities. Um, and so we sort of, I don't want to say live through the change with you. Um, but, you know, we, we were out there and, and in, you know, in, in this sort of this Southern states, where you primarily have um, not not that you're are national, but you know where your where the bulk of your advisors are, pro equities uh, carried a really good name. But I'll I'll say that you know I used to think of pro equities when I would think of the name like a capital markets kind of firm, like transaction based producers and you know, right. and so, but, but it really is
1: right. And equities right. is now 100th, right. Of what anybody does for a client. So that was the other part of the name that needed an update. So we're, we're happy with where we are. We're based in Birmingham, Alabama, but you're right. We have people all over the country. We're certainly more East coast than West and we're more Southern than Northern, but we do have great offices, uh, you know, throughout the country and the way we support offices today, it's mostly right. Like this is today over video and, With you know, outside of our practice management events or our producer trips, things like that. But a lot of it is done like this. So
0: let me talk about that for a second because I was I was literally just going to ask you this question. Um, I just did a podcast uh, with with Dale Dempsey, the president of the firm of our firm, and um, one of the things we were talking about was some of the technology and some sort of the costs, the economics of running an independent practice. um, Some of those things are all becoming just basic table stakes, right? Tech for the most part, and you're there today, right? Maybe you weren't there a few years ago, but you're there today on a level playing field. And so what's starting to separate where I'm seeing a separation of firms is in how they're delivering, not just service, right? But how they're delivering a feel and a culture to a firm, and so I was going to ask you, and you just made you just said two things without me even asking. What what are the things that you are all doing that bond your advisors to your firm? Because you know you see the rags, you see people moving from one firm to another, and and candidly, you, you don't see all that often someone leaving your firm, right? So why is that? Um, what is it? What are the things that you're doing that are really Separating you uh, from the competition as it relates to cultural things in a, in an environment where maybe not as many people are are in the office anymore. So I'm just curious from from what you've been doing. You've been doing this a long time, and maybe um, after that, maybe just talk a little about your own personal background, uh, if you could.
1: Sure, and I think um, it is kind of a southern thing. I say it's a little bit of us being in the sweet spot, right? Of being able to have people. Enough people, ninety home office employees that do get to know the advisors and their practice and their staff we we do care about the little things we do want to know one of my you know final goals that was technology related that I thought was going to finish last year will be q one this year is really um an enhanced c r m for the home office, so that at any point in time uh, because we still we we still have to spend a little too much time. Um, understanding what it is is happening in each of the offices that we serve, and we all need to be able to pull up someone's name when I'm talking to them, and talk about, hey, that I see that ACAT finally went through, you know, everything good there, you know, little issues like that. That's that's stuff around the edges. But it is stuff that becomes meaningful to them. We want to understand the practice that leads with college planning or, you know, the person who is doing the, the traditional fixed income business, which is still out there, um, and, and make sure that they're pointed in the right direction. One of the things that's really hard is communication in the independent channel, is making sure they understand the resources that we have. I'm always surprised, overwhelmed and and upset when I talk to somebody and they have an issue and I say, we fixed that three months ago. We brought this and they say, no, I go, yeah, yeah, we have it. And they just, everybody's got so much going on. And that's, it still is my unresolved, you know, kind of wish is, is trying to figure out because, you know, I have... 450 financial professionals, which I think is 375 branches, right? So communication to them. When we have, I was just putting together a slide that I was for our um, practice management conference coming up. But while we have our preferred tech stack where we say you're going to have a pretty seamless experience from client into CRM, into our electronic workflow, e-signature if appropriate, and, and if the client wants it and the type of account warrants it into our systems and through the approval and back around, right? So we have that. And it involves financial planning and annuity integrations and all of those things that you might need. But now what we're trying to do is add around those edges. What, what else can we do that enhances that experience without them having to step out and go into a different system and come back in, right? So our focus right now is adding to that. And what I love today is that so many of these fintech firms are sharing, you know, it, it didn't used to be that way 10 years ago. The big firms thought they had to buy everything up that was in their way um, and, and create that one great environment. And now they're all sharing data. And as they do that, and you get up on that list of where I need you to integrate with this other technology, that's really nice because you really can bring a lot more to the table. Than, than you could five years ago. They have so much more information and access. And now people are doing cool thing around values, around customization and personalization. I just had a Morningstar call, you know, half an hour ago and the things they're adding to their technology, is, it's impressive and, and other firms just like that, you know? So people adding things to that basic tech stack are helping us bring more value And depending on who wants it, it's like, here, pick it up. You can use this, right? So it's nice to be able to bring that forward and make that available. When we get to our meeting in Dallas, I think many of them are going to be shocked by all the different technologies that are represented there that support their practice, because they're going to say, I had no idea.
0: Right. Is that the practice management conference? Yes. So tell tell us about that. What's that because you know you're hearing I, I think that some firms have moved away from doing things like this. Um, they think it's they can get away with it, and I don't agree. So what tell us about yours?
1: You know, I think we 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 did okay in the virtual environment of trying to put some of that together, right? And we we spent a lot of time trying to make it fun in the breaks because we're not together and you know, and here's your fake cocktail hour, whatever it was, you know, everybody tried to do that. And, and you're right, it's less expensive uh, to pull it off while we just stand at our desk and do our thing. But nothing replaces the human interaction and the relationships. And it was one thing to have the people who have been with us for 20, 25 years, go through that period of time with us. They were fine. We had great conversations with them all the time. But new people, and they haven't actually met someone, you know, in person, uh, that's a different relationship. And so last year, we it was the first time late June that we had that same practice management conference from when we pulled one off in February of 20, right before things ended. And so we pulled one off in June here in Birmingham. And my most of the time we're doing this out of town. I was so glad we did it in Birmingham because I was able to literally run a shuttle of home office employees out to the meeting site. And it was it was a re, it, not just a reunion, but an engagement. And they all got to know people. They've been talking to these people on the phone and they don't do video calls with client services or operations or compliance, right? They do video calls with management and people who are leading the business. But for them getting to actually meet in person and see the people who were supporting their practices, it was wonderful. And it just reinforced the need to do these types of meetings. You can do a lot more virtual. And I think it's brought efficiencies to everybody's businesses, whether you're an advisor or an executive at the home office, Um, like I am, I do a lot more virtual now before we engage in a plane flight in a hotel and Whatever you know, you have to comes with all of that, which is never easy. Um, so, we're now uh, March sixth to the eighth at the Renaissance in Dallas, and right now it's about two hundred and forty people or so that'll be there. Again, a lot of them for the first time, uh, home office. Some of them for the first time that are coming back together, but again, engaging in those interactions. It's a pure practice management. Conference, so it's a lot for both our financial advisors. We run a whole track for their sales assistant, so they're really getting that interaction. Uh, That's something I think is critical in the. You're inviting the
0: sales assistants as well.
1: We do, and and I will tell you that was one of the things we pulled off last year that was incredible. We we had them come into the home office. They need their own community, and that's one thing that COVID taught us was people need their community, and even if it if it starts virtual at some point in time, they need to get together physically. And then they have, they understand how the other practices are run. And when they have an issue with something, they're like, I remember she has a great solution for that. I got to reach out to Karen for this, right? Um, They make their own connections and therefore it helps them because they're the ones supporting it. If they're in the office by themselves, like, how do I do that? You know, um, so they develop their own community. We've developed communities around advisors who manage practice or manage the assets themselves. So either rep as PM or rep as advisor, depending on whether they have discretion. We um, set up a community for advisors who use third party managers because they have different issues, different questions. You know, their best practices are different and they can share with each other. But we we realize that creating those communities builds that gap and builds that bridge until they can be together. So we still offer our practice management conference. I'm looking forward to it. Dr. Kevin Elko is a is a headliner and he's fabulous. I've got Dale Brown coming from FSI because that DOL independent contractor um, push is pretty scary. So we want an update from him and to understand all of that and then we still actually hold um, in july this year we'll be out in san diego for our top producer event which is also something some people have gotten away from but we still feel as though we want to bring and that's a family event um, we want to bring those people and their spouses which obviously are critical to supporting their business um, out together for some very quality time with home office and, and our strategic partners
0: So you just like hit on a bunch of things that I was going to bring up. So reading my mind, I guess um, I was going to ask you about the the softer thing. So let me just, let me just, I want to reiterate here what you said because very few firms do this where they have support staff at these meetings, right? Most of the time it's like, you know, the top producers and that's it. And you know, then the, 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 they, they get all this information, they come back to their office, they throw the notebook on the desk and they go back to business and they sell and they rarely will give a, a breakdown of the meeting, especially as it relates to support staff and operational stuff. Cause, cause you know, those advisors are, they're always going to the, the operational breakout sessions when they, when they go to those events, right? That's, there's always a line at those doors.
1: They don't even use the technology. So we knew it was critical. and and they couldn't describe it if they wanted to. Um, you know, some do, obviously. but uh, and, and I will tell you that it wasn't easy to pull it off because several of them said, "You understand that she's my right arm, or he is critical. I don't know how I open the door, right? I don't know how I, you know, transact. And every single one of them was so happy with the two and a half days they spent. In that case, it was here in Birmingham. And really, again, they dug in, they got to ask questions. They are running, they're the backbone of those businesses. And so it was wonderful. And so we, again, we have that track for them so they can come to the practice management conference and they spend time together. They get to dig into those details and everybody's got a different way to run their business. And so they learn from each other and that's invaluable. We sat in that room and said, this is the real stuff, right? Um, but the advisors are there and they need things at a different level. So we have that that track as well, right? So always trying to bring it for, for both sides of it. And that's how we get a successful practice.
0: So let me just shift gears for a minute because I was going to ask you a question and I and I, anytime I have someone like yourself and in the position that you're in on, I try to uh, get into your head in terms of what are you hearing? What are you concerned about? um, What are you excited about within the industry? Um, And so far, all of the senior, senior folks that I've had on the, on these podcasts have said, you know, the DOL issue coming down with this, this 1099 issue on the table. If you can, um, what is your opinion or what are you hearing? Maybe I'll, I don't, I don't know if you can give an opinion, but what is your opinion of um, and concern about this particular issue?
1: Fortunately, just joined the board of FSI. So it was my first board meeting just a couple of weeks ago. And I thought, wow, I am so glad I'm here because I don't know that I took it as seriously, even though I'd read about it, I could see all of it and I was getting the data from FSI, but listening um, to, again, and hearing the data from them in terms of the thousands of letters that were written, you know, from financial advisors on our behalf, making sure we all kind of know where it's coming from. The gig economy is hard to wrestle with and we're sort of getting swept in in with it. Um, but it's scary. It, it's a pretty big regulation. And, and I think, you know, I, I don't know what the, chances right now, but right now it's a, it's a pretty hot button and it is something we have to pay attention to be prepared for. They're talking about May being able to put this out there. Everybody says that's a very aggressive timeline. The comment period, um, I think starts in mid February. So, I mean, there've already been letters sent, but as they start to put out the actual rule, they're saying we're not getting an exception this time. And that's, uh, that's different from what we've heard in the past. So we'll see. It's really, um, it's hard to imagine because all of us know this business and know that the financial advisor takes all the risk. They do the work, they own this business, they they profit from what they do, they lose from what they do. All of that is on them. They're partly because we they have to do all their business with us is how they see that relationship being tied together, which we all know that comes from regulation that you want Right. So unfortunately, that same regulation is is hurting us in this case. So um, it will be interesting to see. I'm looking forward to, uh, to uh, the conversation with Dale at our conference to give us a little more insight there. But um, it's it's a pretty big one. I think aside from that, what we've really been having a hard time with is not so much that each rule or each change from the regulators is not does not have some some merit. They're always trying to think about the end investor and what's best for them. We get that. It's also been the pace of change that has been scary because you almost, you know, the SEC marketing rule, I mean, it was on top, of we had DOL and Reg BI and, you know, and and people were like, wait, what?
0: It's like they're just bored and they're just trying to come up with stuff, right? Like,
1: Yeah. And they're anything but bored, you know, they're working hard. We, yeah. We've met with some of the commissioners and it, and it is... That is not it at all. But to to those of us here, it's their list is so long. And unfortunately, there's bad actors out there. And every time they do something, another form and another rule comes out. Um, so we all pay for that. And the clients end up paying yeah, for it. I, and look, I
0: have faith that it'll work out the way it's supposed to work out. Mm-hmm, uh, there's too. too many ripple effects uh, for them to make that kind of change. Because um, then it's our industry. And then there's other industry. Like, you know, you, it can... It can turn a lot of service industries upside down.
1: Correct, and you know, there's a big difference between you know the gig economy, true gig economy, and what our financial professionals do day in day out with you know the various licenses, all the regulations.
0: Yeah, well, financial professionals, insurance, insurance folks, like, there's a ton of people that that it, it will affect. So I'm I'm the uh, I'm confident that people a lot smarter than me are going to take care of that. But you know. What what So you've mentioned a comment about people writing letters. Like what can, what can an advisor do to do their part?
1: Yeah, so we put out, you know, kind of templates and, and um, sent a lot of the, to our financial professionals, here's what you can do. You can go to FSI's website. They'll tell you what to do. Um, you know, depending on where this goes, they're going to need help with their advocacy efforts, um, either from dollars or, or feet on the ground. So I think there's a lot to be done. I would just say go to their website and they've got to, Huge section uh, on there um, about this. So,
0: all right. So, listen. What um, I want to cover this one piece. Um, there's really two more things I want to cover in the interest of time. You, you like you know a lot. Like you're hitting on all these things that I wasn't even talking about. You've been in, in the business a while. Before I get into um, what do you think advisors should be doing today, like if you were an advisor right now, right in this market right with what's coming what would you be doing right now to be building your practice so before i get into that can you just give me so give our audience not me but give, give our audience some color on your background cuz you know you're just ripping this stuff off right which is which is great and some of the things you're talking about are so are to me as someone that's been in the business for 30 years um there's things that you've said that tell me you really do understand what's important to an advisor I've done a lot of these calls, these these podcasts and with a lot of smart people. And no one has ever brought up the fact that the support staff need training, the support staff need communities. Um, and that's a huge deal, right? And so me I'm like, Oh, she you know, she gets it. And that's why we love doing business with you, but um tell us about your background.
1: I guess the Bad, the good or bad part is I've done all the things, right? So I too am, you know, pushing uh, 31 years uh, in the business. Started out as a, a financial advisor myself on the independent side. Then when I moved to Birmingham, I went to the wire, and uh, from there went to a bank. Like kind of that that progression that a lot of people do, not knowing very many people in Birmingham, you know, hard to build a practice without some um, some people coming in and having some book of business there. Right. So I went to a bank channel and then, um, circumstance or happenstance went into wholesaling. So now I was wholesaling originally a bank uh, fund family that got sold to pioneer. So one of the longstanding, uh, fun families out there, I'm out there, you know, hitting the streets I had Alabama, Mississippi, and South Louisiana. Most of my territory was pretty tight. I was now a single mom at that point with kids who were four, five, and seven. So my mother moves in with me. That's always a good roommate when you have little kids. And I I literally hit the road. But a lot of my stuff was... I would get up at 4 a.m. and get to Mississippi for for a breakfast meeting, work that market for the day, and then come back and, you know, be here for bedtime, right? So, a lot of out and backs because that worked for me. Um, I had to move out of that business because somebody came in and wanted us to have bigger territories. And it just, as I said, at that point in time, I said, four nights in a hotel and three teenagers is what I call bad math, right? So, I said, I can't out there on the road anymore. And I, I moved into a home office at the time, Stern AG, which was a great firm, been around for over 100 years at that point. And I started building the advisory platform, helping oversee financial planning and due diligence on all the products. Learned a lot in that extensive period there from 07 through. Um, 15 when the firm was sold to Stiefel. Spent a year there at Stiefel hoping we could keep my team together. I had a great due diligence team and all of that. That wasn't to be. And I was actually fortunate thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? My, um, my mother, who turned 94 this week, lives here in Birmingham. And so moving was not an option. And, you know, I'm in Birmingham. So I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know. And through a couple of people who also had worked at Stern AG, they landed here at Protective and ProEquities, recommended me to the current president. And I landed literally about 100 yards away from where the Stern AG office was. Um, so it's just kind of, I didn't even know, literally, it's in the same driveway, as as the stern age building so funny how things work out but What I really love about my role now is that I can use all of those experiences, right? The good, bad, and the ugly. And I I know what it's like to be out there trying to build the business. And I know what it's like as a wholesaler. So I I deal with them in a certain way. And I'm very respectful of what they do. So I think I can bring all of that to the table. And I bring that to every conversation I have, big and small, no matter who I'm talking to. I know where they are and where they've been. And and I try to relate uh, to that. And we try to make very conscientious decisions when we're helping them, um, you know, build their practice and get to that next level.
0: Yeah, that explains one of the reasons why um, it doesn't surprise me when we get emails from you late at night and you know, I'm like, yeah. oh, she's working, she's yeah. grinding. Um or which doesn't always, early it, in the
1: morning, right? Yeah, as right. As going, no, it I'm just I'm doesn't always it.
0: happen with 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 uh certain people that get to a certain um level in their careers and they feel For some reason, their work ethic that got them there stops, um, which is a whole other topic. So then, the last thing, and um, again, bringing put your advisor hat on, right? You know what? If you're an advisor today, right? What are you doing today to um, build your business right now in this environment? Interest rates, the market, the what's going on with the election? you, You name the crisis, the balloons in the sky, you know, whatever.
1: It centers around a conversation we just had, but it's now in their hands. And I think it's a lot of it is around communication. And what we learned was that there are a lot of clients who don't mind communicating with us through a video, and that's very efficient, right? I still think you have to sometimes get together physically, but not necessarily if the client's comfortable with it. I think the old way of thinking that these are my A clients and these are my B clients. And by the way, A was arbitrary based on what the financial advisor, it wasn't even always revenue, it was just AUM or something like that. Or um, and, and, and they made these arbitrary rules around A gets this and B gets that instead of, you see it all the time right now, customization, personalization. They should be speaking with those clients and talking about how they want to be communicated with. How often do you want to talk? How how do you want me to communicate with you, right? Is it email? We do have approved texting. Now, unfortunately, that's been an issue, but we do have cell trust so you can communicate by text if you want to with a client. But do they want to be on video? Do they want to come in? Have you go there? That does not need to be just, here's the way it is, and here's how I communicate with you, and aren't I amazing? Think about the client and put them in the position of actually telling you what they want. How do they want to interact making sure that if you're on a team that they're getting to meet all the various members of the team, that you're not building yourself up as the one and only because we know that can change as well. So I think it's around enhancing that client experience from that communication standpoint in when the markets are volatile clients call in, right? Makes it easy, but you're reactive. You're just answering the phone. What are you doing when the markets are a little easier? How many times are you reaching out? Or do you know whether they want to talk or not, all right? So I think that in some markets, it's easier to say you communicate regularly with your clients. We all know in other markets, some people hide, some people, you know, wait for the phone to ring. But having that customized plan, I think is going to elevate you to that next level.
0: Yeah. And I think that one piece uh, about well, you're saying, they they call in. And so that's, you know, they can check the box of, oh, I communicated to my client, right? But the reality is in the tougher markets, you actually should be doubling up on your communication to your clients and being proactive. You don't want, you, you have to create a system where you're calling the client before they call you. Uh, be, because when they call you, they've already got a story in their head about what's happening. And then you got to spend time calming them down, right? Versus you proactively going after them and saying just reaching out nothing to do right now if that's your decision right nothing to do right now blah 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 and most of the time they might say oh i wasn't worried thanks for calling i i know you got this or whatever uh that goes a that goes a long way goes further yeah right
1: i think it goes yeah. further
0: yeah and so um that also goes for like centers of influence if I was if I was an advisor, I would be having those same types of conversations with centers of influence because they're getting calls from clients, and maybe they're not talking about investment advice, but they're concerned about their portfolio or whatever it is. And um, by giving these centers of influence advice on what's going on, you know they they'll remember you, and so they might have a client calling in and then refer that client over to you, knowing that wow, you're really calming calming voice in a tough market you know you need to talk to my client jill um you know she's been concerned concerned, because she hasn't heard from her advisor in six months
1: exactly and don't just reach out to the center of influence when they send you somebody and send them the thank you note, right um and sorry for the sun i am a south florida girl and i'm a vitamin d person i'm an outdoor person who's stuck in an office so my blinds are always up and it changes so
0: (laughs) no that's good Listen, I think that's great advice. Communication is really key, um, and for a lot of advisors, you know, you're, and, and maybe I had a little bit of a feeling like that when you ask a client, "How do you want, how do you want me to communicate with you?" They they shouldn't take it like they don't know what they're doing, right? Like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. How do you want me to talk to you? Right? It's a proactive thing, and so don't feel like you're you're like admitting to a client you don't know what you're doing or something like that.
1: You can almost give them a menu. I can communicate with you. Here are all the things that I can offer. Do you want market, you know, data? Do you want, you know, economic reports, whatever, you know, I think there could be a, it's almost like a menu and, and how often and in what, what format, you know, email calls, you know, whatever it might be. So I, I agree.
0: Libby, this is awesome. Um, This was really good. I knew it was going to be a good call. Um, We always enjoy our, our my conversations with you. So, um, I hope I hope the audience enjoyed this call. I hope the audience uh, is surprised they've learned out a uh, learn about a great I won't say new company because it's not a new company, uh, but a company that maybe they weren't aware of uh, that has you know you know over four hundred advisors. So you're not it's it's not some some small some small institution. It's a real firm with great leadership, uh, someone like like Libbit who who's been in the seat. Uh, there are fewer and fewer firms out there that are driven by leaders that have been producers and as a as a former producer i can tell you it's better at
1: this yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) me too and i applaud you because it's hard yeah totally agree yeah and uh, that's the time frank we love working with thank you for the time today i really appreciate great conversation
0: so how does someone get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more aside from calling us of course but how do they call you
1: yeah, concoursefinancial.com or I'm libit.anderson at concoursefinancial.com.
0: Awesome. And uh, as always, you can email me at frank at eliteconsultingpartners.com. Uh, you can check out our website at eliteconsultingpartners.com. And to those of you that are listening to this, don't forget we have a YouTube channel where you can see us on here. Um, and you can see the sun coming in and out of Libbit's uh, conference room, right? Um, or his, her office there. Um, and just see the smile on her face when she talks about how how she works with financial advisors which is a huge deal uh, for for um, for me at least uh, with our clients. So I know that I have a great level of confidence when we make introductions. So um, anyway, Libby, thank you very much for the for the, uh, for the time. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. It was great. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa.
0: If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts.